0: Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinsick, Welcome. Powered by Betsperts. The
1: Deep Dive talk a little seattle seahawks football today andy i hope you're excited to get into the seahawks uh a once proud franchise finds themselves expected to have a top pick in next year's draft because they have not figured out the quarterback position in seattle um and after a pretty extraordinary run where they drafted a quarterback in the third round in russell wilson took him to win a super bowl went back to a second super bowl uh, wow, times Shoulda, have changed. <clears throat> yeah. Times have changed for the old CLC yeah, Hawks. But no, excited to talk to the US. How are you doing today?
0: I'm great. I am excited. This is an exciting division. This is not an exciting team to start with because, and I will I will just start with my thesis. Like everything I looked at, at the end of like every segment of the team that I reviewed, I'm like, except the wide receivers room. I'm like, this is a beautiful tank. Like, they are absolutely (laughs) putting – they're putting together – and again, you're never going to stop a tank just by having a couple of good receivers. No, not ever. So, like, if I have ever seen a team that was set up to draft number one next year, and it's Atlanta, Houston, and Seattle. Like, there's – I don't know if I have that many teams close as far as just your probability that you could win, like, one game. You know this is, this is just a problem elv- everywhere across the roster, and like, it's funny too. Last year, it wasn't. You know, a lot of those teams, like Houston, that was a that was a very bad team for a few years. Especially after you you traded away, or you know, two years ago we didn't have him traded away, but yeah, you didn't have a star quarterback playing. Atlanta obviously was a very tough roster. That only bright spot was a high end. Uh, you know, veteran quarterback and some wide receivers that couldn't stay on the field for uh, sundry reasons. But this was a team that should have probably been in the playoffs last year. Yeah. If you go by their, if you go by some of the metrics, it's like I went back and forth on this because there's some things that say maybe the uh, Pythag is a little skewed, and I'll get into that. But they were seven and ten, which was the worst team in their division. They underperformed on Pythag. And they missed Russell Wilson for a few games. Like there was uh, plenty of universes in the multiverse where this team wins 10 games and goes into the playoffs. And granted for different reasons, they are just the Cardinals at that point. Like, Hey, here's a team that probably doesn't have a shot to advance. And if they do, they're certainly not winning a second game. Cardinals being, and we'll get to them. We're going to talk about them today too. But they were being just, hey, it's a first-time head coach, first-time uh, quarterback. Good luck with that. This just was a, a roster that wasn't built to beat good team after good team, especially if they had to travel. But yeah, seven and ten was a bit of an underachievement. And yet, uh, I guess I'm I'm wishing now that they would have gotten a couple more wins because maybe this win totals a seven and a half. I don't know. I maybe maybe that's not the case, but boy, they they would have had a really big jump down from winning nine or ten games, and not only that, the schedule that we'll get to is not that fun to look at if you're a a faithful twelve member of the you know the Seattle the Lumen Field Lovelies, as uh, no one has ever called them before. Which totally I just did right now. Lovely. I, I don't know, they, they don't. You don't get to be the twelves uh, if the team's going to be shit. So I didn't have a ton to say about last year. Like when Russ missed time, you found out like Gino is not good. Gino is a good guy to have on the roster just in case, or to come in and clean up. But you don't want to be starting with him, and uh, you know the the defense with some names here and there over the past few years it was it was pretty rough and i, I want to get into that later because the stats are it's a fun one to contextualize because some of the stuff at the surface level says like oh this wasn't that bad of a defense they were really bad they only had 34 sacks and again the 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 amount of time and plays that that defense was on the field was just a a really weird outlier when you start looking at things so like Again, it was a team that wasn't very good, and it's fun. I watched a press conference. This is a a weird fetish of mine, too. Teams like this who did do something major, Um, I haven't watched many of these, but I went and watched Pete Carroll's closing press conference of the season, which is fun because at this point you haven't traded your franchise quarterback, and it's always like, you know, this reminds me of a team from not too long ago before we won a Super Bowl. I said I said to those guys too, I said, hey, this is this isn't the team that wins the Super Bowl, but this nucleus here, these guys in this room, this is the nucleus. We're gonna build around this, and we're not that far. We're we're not that far from being a great team. And it's just hilarious. Even if Rusty stays on, I don't know if that's if that's like any of that's true. He gives a good presser, but boy, <laughs> it, it was it was something to behold. And
1: I, I'm yeah. I'm shocked here. You're telling me Pete Carroll's full of shit? No way.
0: Yeah, no, it, it made me laugh. <laughs> no. Like out of any I'm like, this um, wouldn't be nearly as funny if it weren't Pete.
1: Yeah, for sure. Okay, so let's reflect a little bit more on 2021. It was a lost season because of the Russell Wilson injury. Um, and I think you're, you know, we, we're not that far removed from covering the Broncos, who had the greatest quarterback upgrade going from that room to, to Russell Wilson. This is the team that has gone through the greatest downgrade. Um, there is no denying that, uh, the adjustment from Russ to Gino in the middle of last season derailed their hopes for going to the playoffs because through five weeks, even at two and three, the Seahawks, if you kind of look at them in the EPA team tiers plot, they were their nearest neighbors were the Packers and the Niners. Guess what? Both those teams made the second week of the playoffs. Uh, they were better than the Eagles at that time. They were very, very close to the likes of the saints and, Uh, And some of the other kind of true contenders. And yet, they two and three felt right for them. Because this was a team that throughout the late Russ Wilson era, they had a propensity for being in closer games than they should have been. And while he was somewhat of a magician and elicited a number of surprising wins over that time window, the magic ran out a little bit last year. You had a convincing week Week one win over the Colts and then came back and managed to work your way into a loss against the Titans. Brutal, brutal uh, beat at the hands of the Vikings. And then it's like, well, what is this team? You come out and you get a, a, an underdog win against the Niners. You're 2-2 two and two, uh, back on track, but then you lose to the Rams badly. You lose Russell Wilson with the mallet finger or whatever the hell the injury was. And that was a, that was a wrap because you couldn't beat the Steelers in OT in primetime the next week. You couldn't beat the Saints. You lose by three, even though you're out against a backup quarterback, I'm assuming. And then, uh, you know, your, your rest of your wins were against the bottom feeders, the Lions, the Texans, the Jags. You somehow had the 49ers number, and you somehow kept Arizona from winning the NFC West by beating them in the final week of the season. But, uh, you know, the this was, you know, once it was over and their chances were nigh to make the playoffs you know, it kind of became, uh, this is Russ's last home game, January 2nd. Like people kind of felt it right. You remember at that time, people were like this is probably his home finale. They go out there and score 51 points against the lions. It's like, okay. Um, but this wasn't a great team and Pete Carroll is not a great coach. And the brain trust there is not great at Developing a roster for today's NFL, John Schneider hasn't had a good draft in a long time. Some of his draft choices in the late Russell Wilson era were really, really bad. I mean, the DK Metcalf one stands out as like the exception that proves the rule, (laughs) you know, like he got a great player there. But there was a lot of other really questionable decisions. The questionable decision to trade Jamal Adams for first round draft capital. Uh, looks pretty poor in hindsight. The insistence on building a team through the trenches and through the running game, when you had Russell Wilson on your roster, never made sense. Never felt right. Um, and you know, I think realistically, uh, just through the rah-rah mentality that Pete brings into the locker room, getting his guys to play hard for him, like you know, they've overachieved for years, and regression came coming last year, and uh, you know, and then and this year looks uh, dead on arrival, really. This, yeah. uh, this was, uh, and honestly, like, I don't really even know what the vision is. Frankly, this is very confusing trying to evaluate what this team thinks that they are and where they're going and what they're doing and why. And
0: I got to take a, I got to take a Zach Morris timeout Cause it's just driving me nuts. Not having the chat. I love reading the chat while we're talking. So we are pre-recording this cause I'm on vacation right now. If you're listening to this, Please leave some comments on the YouTube underneath this. If you're watching this or hit us on Twitter, I love reading what you guys think. And it, it's actually bothering me right now that I don't have the live chat chiming in because there's a lot of good insight in there. So uh, if you're missing out on leaving your insight, drop it as a comment on the YouTube, but yes, to get right back to it, it does feel like a weird, like, I, I can't get to any other conclusion. That's not just a tank. And then I'm also at a weird spot where, like, would Pete Carroll sign off on that at that point in his career? Like, you know, older coaches don't love that. And but I mean, everybody has to maybe Pete Carroll's more of a realist than anyone has ever expected, because if he did sign off on a tank, I'd be surprised. But it's the most realistic thing to do. Your defense was atrocious. You lack basically every position outside of the wide receivers you did trade part of the trade. The Russell Wilson trade did garner you a good starting tight end, but I'm just going to lump that in with the wide receivers and say like, you have good receivers. You have a horseshit defense at all three levels. You have a candidate for the worst offensive line in the league. You have a quarterback who's proved numerous times. He's not a starter in this league. And then you have someone even worse than him that is going to be maybe competing for that spot as well. And then again, the running backs are, it is what it is. Like, it, it doesn't even matter if the running backs were a little bit better than, you know, what they are in Penny and a rookie. Like, if the quarterback and, uh, and offensive line play is that bad, do, would it matter if you had, you know, Christian McCaffrey back there? <laughs> He's not going to save this team from winning you know, single, low single-digit games if things go according to plan and that's where uh, my biggest takeaway from the 2021 season and off season was this team is in a weird spot, but I don't think like the Pete Carroll experience is signing off on a tank. I really thought they'd trade for a quarterback, not like a good quarterback, but I thought they'd, I thought they'd bring someone else in and give them like another shot, you know, like a, uh, somebody with a high draft capital who just never like a Rosen, you know, just because I don't know who in those talent evaluation rooms is saying like, all right, we can maybe have a a shot at winning some games with Smith or Locke. Like there are other guys that you could give some shots, even even the Baker Mayfield thing. And I granted, I'm I'm happier with this if I'm long term looking at this team. You know uh, where a better place to get a quarterback would be in that 1.1 1. 1 draft pick spot, like because that's a hundred percent attainable.
1: You're dancing around what was the major fuck up in all this? They sold too late on coach. Russ. They sold yeah. too late on Russ.
0: Yeah, no, they, they should have done that a couple years ago when the, they the previous they fit in the doldrums. Yeah,
1: you know, guess guess who was desperate to bring in a quarterback like Russ two seasons ago? Chicago under the Ryan Pace era, like that, yeah, they like thought, they would they have given you. Him. They gave up a freaking haul to get Justin Fields. Like, they would have given you even more to get Russell Wilson. And, you you know, you could have absolutely cleaned Chicago's clock. You had him dead to rights in that negotiation if you wanted to move on from Russ at that time. And then that was a quarterback-rich draft. You would have already gotten a guy a rookie season out of the way. You would potentially be, like, a sneaky, like, this team might make noise in the weak NFC. Like they might be good. Like if they had, if they had a Mac Jones, Justin Fields type of project that already had a year of starting under his belt. Like, aren't we talking about this team very differently this year?
0: Yeah, and you could make a case that maybe Atlanta could have done it sooner, but it's the same kind of thing as, as if La- Atlanta would have kept Matt Ryan this year because they could have. And yeah, okay. And they great. and they could have stayed in the doldrums one year, but we talked about this. Now they have this head start over the Saints and the Bucks, who are going to reach this critical mass and cap space yeah. and are going to have to do some, you know, refiguring, rejiggering, and possibly some rebuilds. Whereas Atlanta can start over with a cheap, uh, good rookie on a cheap deal. And yeah, they they, I felt like they were always in the doldrums, but it didn't feel like it maybe internally, or if you weren't looking at it with a a subjective eye, because Russ just affords you a couple extra wins with his late game magic, and the same thing with this team last year. They were incredibly lucky with fumble luck and things of that nature, crab rangoon yeah. things of that nature. But it's, it's, it, it wasn't a good team, and the way that they put this defense together was part of the problem, I guess. With like yes. they, they kept games close. I mean, did you, did you? I'm gonna lean heavily on the football outsiders preview okay. of the Seahawks. Cause they did an amazing job of breaking down like the weirdness that was this defense. And they did jettison uh, Ken Norton. they fired him and they probably shouldn't have like he, he was out there with the fury of three men with a, a roll a duct tape and a can of wd-40 trying Mm -hmm. anything he could with this roster because he essentially just didn't have starters at some levels and i'm going to read this quote from it's a longer paragraph about like how that you know he's ended up losing some starters in the secondary having to go with corners that weren't really starters and then the way that you protect cornerbacks and we've talked about teams who don't do this is by getting them help, not blitzing, not using extra guys in the box where you should be. So then you take someone who's very good at becoming you know, a blitzer like Jamal Adams and turning him back into a safety US to help in like zone coverages, which is not his strength. So everything that this roster was forced Norton to like just really get creative with it and try to slap something together. And then I'll read this this uh, quote from Football Outsiders again. To summarize, Norton was left with ends pretending to be tackles because they had to <laughs> pass rushers pretending to be defensive backs, a blitz specialist, Adams, s- pretending to be a safety, and backup cornings- corners pretending to be starters. It was an entire scheme of men playing out of position with a square peg to fit in every round hole. And then this is what I was talking about afterwards. Again, straight from the outsiders, the average pass thrown by opposing quarterbacks traveled seven yards beyond the line of scrimmage, second shortest in the league, which you could look at. Hey, that's a positive. It wasn't opposing quarterbacks were successful on 51% of their dropbacks, which is essentially tied for last. So they turned into this, the ultimate bend. when people say bend, but don't break, you can't. Bend on every single play. And that's what they did. They were like, the, it's like the girl in high school who was saving it for marriage, but went down on the entire lacrosse team. Like, <laughs> did, did, or did you really, you know did, did, you know, did you really prove a point there by doing that? Like, you just, you're, it doesn't matter the method that you got there. Like this defense gave it up. They gave it up all over the place and they gave it up just in a different way. Like, if you want to just go underneath on this team all day long, and that's why they had this big disparity in amount of plays. Mm-hmm. And that, again, that was so weird looking at that stab as far as, like, they ran the fewest amount of offensive plays. And then it was a weirdness where they ended up with the greatest field position on defense because they never turned the ball over. Every time they gave the ball back to the opponent, it was either a kickoff or a punt. And they ended up, you know, with decent coverage. So they they had great starting field position as a defense, and then the defense would give up you know four or five, six yards a pop slowly down the field, and the play disparity was like fifty to seventy. you know there was just yeah. on average, like every team has a game where they just don't gel on offense and the other team runs a lot more plays. Teams don't do this for an entire season where their defense is on the field like and again, Time of possession is one thing. This is actual like amount of plays over an entire season. Like people just were able to, any team was able to just turn into the 91, you know, or like 89 49ers or, Hey, guess what? We're a West coast team this year because we get to play the Seahawks and we're going to have the ball for 80 plays. And we'll just march down the field, and do short stuff because they're just going to bend and not break us. And we're going to win games. And, uh, honestly, How they won seven games is beyond me because I would have been licking my chops as an offensive coordinator. Like, I can go out here with a conservative offensive game plan and just crush this team. We might only have the ball five times, but they're all going to be like 20 play, 90-yard drives that end in touchdowns.
1: Yeah, it's
0: It was just a god-awful goofy team.
1: Yeah, and you know what's funny about all that? They had guys that showed up, st- t- performed very well in the middle of their defense, in Bobby Wagner and Quandre Diggs. Like those guys graded out very well, but I think
0: that's you're part right. of. The, don't you like, think that's part of the bend, but not yeah. break? Like, yeah, hey, <laughs> yeah. I, I, yes, yes, I got a, I got a million tackles yeah. as a as a linebacker. Took yeah. a step back, and you know, a linebacker maybe dropping out of the box and then coming back up, and oh, I guess oh, they're getting five yards of carry, but. Yeah. They're not scoring over the top on us.
1: Freaking uh, Bobby <laughs> Wagner, 170 tackles last year. <laughs> not but no, shell. let me zero back in on Bobby Wagner. He gone. Yeah. He was a he was a mainstay on your defense for ten years. He was an incredibly valuable part. That guy started. 14, 15 games a season. One season he only played 11, but that was a year where he got an MVP vote from uh, Tony Dundry that we learned about when we talked to Will. Um, But yeah, no, Bobby (sighs) Wagner was incredibly valuable to this defense and in general sort of the backbone. uh, And he's gone. Uh, And now they have to deal with not only life without Russ, but life without Bobby Wagner. Quandre Diggs is the only player on this defense that I give um a grade that is like anything to write home about jordan brooks is close uh to being like a, a, a meaningfully above replacement level but not really Puna ford a little bit above replacement level but not like really to write home about um there's just there's not a lot to be excited about on this roster and in general In a normal year, I would look past that because Pete has shown an ability to coach up the youngest guys and get more out of them than you expect. But we haven't seen that in a little while. Uh, They did not get anything out of their secondary last year. Guys who they were expected to coach up. I have failing grades from a bunch Mm -hmm. of these guys that they're bringing back. Uh, Let me find the the best example of them. Your CB1, Sidney Jones, he was awful.
0: Awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's the thing too. You talked about Dunlap and, or excuse me, I've I got ahead of myself in that sentence. You talked about Bobby Wagner and I mean that Bobby and Bobby and Ruscon, that's the last, that's the last, that's of the, it. you know, the old guard from the teams that were great, but Bobby Wagner is an incredibly important piece to lose. but at the same time, it's, you know, you lost your, your best corner. I don't know where you had DJ Reed uh ranked but he's with the Lions he was I had the, prob- I had
1: him as they're clearly their best corner.
0: Yeah, he anything. was their best he was their best coverage piece. Um at corner, I don't know, like he had decent safety play at times, but then Carlos Dunlap no longer around, Rasheem Green, like you lose you lose good players on a bad defense at all three levels <laughs> and then you bring in a new defensive coordinator like uh it might be a break but don't break like i don't know bend it's it looks like a
1: bend and then break
0: a bend break and laugh kind of defense like this is really really possibly going to be the lowest ranked defense at, at points during the season like that is their their floor is 32 and it's it's rough it'll it'll depend what we see we got a new a new coordinator which i know Nothing about it. He was someone who's been with the franchise for a few years. Clint Hurt was uh, brought up um, when they got rid of Norton. He was defensive line coach, I believe. They drafted uh, a second round defensive end from the Minnesota Gophers who was good, but maybe a little raw. So there's a decent chance that the, you, know, you lose your two best pass rushers, replace one with a rookie. That might not go well. You lose your best running or linebacker, and you lose basically your only cover corner on a defense that we just said had to be incredibly coached up and moved around and strat- strategized just to turn it into something that wasn't getting, you know, embarrassed at times. And yep. they still ended up losing 10 games. And, again, some of that was the offense. But this defense, I'm really, really worried about that. And I think that's, that was the biggest part of the this might be a tank Tank horrific team for me.
1: Yeah, I guess I'm with you though, in that I don't think
0: they think that. That's, that's where I just can't get my head around, like, you know, the the Schneider yeah, 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 and, and Carol. It's like, it was, what, yeah. what, what are they thinking? And granted, sometimes yeah. you don't have to believe you're in a tank Yeah, if your roster's like this. Yeah. And you're I don't three, know what Carol said.
1: Your three best players from last year are gone. Two of them were anchors for decades in russell wilson and bobby wagner the third was dwayne brown uh and that now you're so yeah, now now you're trotting out there like you know this team's probably better than the bears from a talent standpoint probably but not obviously <laughs> so yeah this is a, this is a uh this is a rough 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 uh roster um i think uh you know I I really can't even point to anyone that I think is on the come up besides the guys we've already mentioned. Um, Lockett and Metcalf are a great one-two wide receiver room, but you know to the degree that they elevate Geno Smith from the 32nd best starter to the 30th. Okay, <laughs> great job. <laughs> like uh, you know, actually, you know what? He's not going to be the 30 second best gino okay so let's let's talk about life let that the quarterback position in particular gino smith looks to have won the qb1 job over drew lock even though they brought in drew lock via trade and they glowed about him all spring and they didn't draft a quarterback because we got our quarterback here on this roster in one of these guys drew or gino smith And Geno Smith won that competition by default, presumably because Drew Locke is stinking. Um, And the result of that is he is probably going to be one of the two or three worst starters to start week one for an NFL franchise this year. Um, Would you put him above or below the following quarterbacks, Andy? Geno Smith, above or below Joe Flacco? Below? Flacco's
0: having a nice camp. <laughs> flacco, flacco should be like fla- Fl- I put flacco above him flacco's a better okay. quarterback
1: mm. above or above or below, Mitch trubisky below, yeah above or below um Daniel Jones,
0: boy, those are neck and neck, that would have yeah. been a better joke saved for Davis and Mills, but um <laughs> they are neck and neck like that's close <laughs> <I'm, laughs> did to throw it out Mills. there anyway
1: um i'm running out of guys that are in the comp then. so is geno smith the 32nd best starting quarterback week one nfl
0: probably like you, 32 you out of 32 against... yeah Mariota, it's hard. but better it's, or no, worse than Mariota? Mariota's better
1: okay so you're see, at 32 for another, geno smith
0: yeah it's hard to rake him against some of these guys like like Trevor Lawrence and Davis Mills, it's like, uh, yeah. or even yeah, Trey I Lance. Wait, like I think like, you, Trey, yeah. Trey Lance could go out there and be the worst quarterback for three weeks because he just hasn't gotten the snaps yet. But I mean, over the course of a season, if you're looking at the long view, yeah, 32 is right there.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. I, for from a rating standpoint for week one, uh, I don't have any major disagreements. If you have them around 32, that sounds right. Um, and there's no fallback option right like if daniel jones doesn't work out tarod Taylor's there that kind of keeps your floor from you know being 1.01 in next year's draft if you're the giants which may not be a good thing we could talk about that another time though um but seattle doesn't really have a fallback in that we know what happens if you pull a switcheroo and throw drew lock out there you're going to get what you got in for them in denver last year and it's not going to be good enough to win football games, certainly. Um, and I think, I, I mean, I just I'm not really sure why this was the plan. Like, they looked at themselves and said, "We can." We saw enough positives in Geno Smith's performance in relief of Russell Wilson last year that we're going to give him, you know, we're going to give him the the keys for week one. That that's really where these guys are in terms of their own self evaluation from last year.
0: Yeah, it's I don't know. It's a tank. Just say it's a tank. Guys. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, a tank. Starting Gino Smith and and I guess Lot came over, but yeah, even even the way the the draft heading into the draft, you had to know like, man, we should just tank this year. Like our first draft pick is. Middle ish of day two, and I granted they they moved around a little, but yeah, they, they had a top 10 pick that was not a top 10 pick because that's uh, you know, the, I think they they moved around for the for the cross pick, and then the other one was to the Jets. The Jets took uh Garrett Wilson with the the pick they acquired from him, so they. They have so many holes, like even with that hire, even with your draft pick, like you go and get a, we'll get to him. Let's talk the offensive line because. Well, let me
1: ask you one more thing about Gina Smith before we move on. Uh, Are we being too quick to dismiss him being able to be competitive this year? Because we only saw 120 snaps out of him last year. His EPA per play in those 120 snaps, you know who it was better than? Matt Ryan. It was better than Daniel Jones. It was better than to Rod taylor it was better a lot better than drew Locke, a lot better than some of the other young guys who struggled um but i mean are we are we jumping to too much of a conclusion here Do, does the fact that lockett and metcalf exist on this roster with geno smith actually mean that this offense has uh um like a you know a little worse than average nfl type of ceiling Or do you think the offensive line is enough of a problem that don't, you know, stop, stop, (laughs) stop making this case?
0: Yeah, man, he's just never, and granted, yeah, he's, when he was young, I mean, I had to look back to see when his first few years were. 2013, he started 16 games. 12 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. Granted, that was a long time ago, but it's been a long time. He hasn't – that secondary started 13. This was – he went several years without starting a game. Like, it was a small sample where uh, sometimes you see that bounce. It's like the, the Mike White thing. <laughs> like, oh, we haven't seen this guy in a while. We don't know what we're getting. And the offense is – you know, you're putting something easy for him. Like, over the course of a season, it's it's probably not going to go well where his ceiling is not. Uh, league average. ceiling is probably like 25, 23, something like that, if it really works out because you have good receivers. But like I said, pivoting to the offensive line, you lose your only good piece, essentially, your good tackle. And and like I mentioned in the draft, they ended up using a draft pick to replace. But... And this is a big but, and it's a it's funny. I, I don't want to... <sighs> show any sort of correlation to what's happened with the injuries that's more conditioning but we have this every year where you have offensive linemen that come from different types of systems and they're like hey is Mackay beckton gonna work in the nfl especially right away with you know the kind of offense he ran down there yeah. with lamar and stuff and we, we saw like that's not what we're gonna see when he gets to the nfl and we've seen this before with uh, offensive linemen coming out of leech teams where air it's, Hey, guess what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Geno Smith is not running the air raid up in Seattle. So you can have, I mean, you always have growing pains with starting offensive linemen and that could be a big growing pain. And then the rest of the offensive line is well below average.
1: Yes. I agree with that.
0: So like it, it, it has a very, very low, 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 low floor. For the offensive line, like the bottom, the bottom is the floor. The floor is the ceiling, and I don't know. Like Gino, would it surprise me if he played better than I'm expecting? I guess no, just because he's been around and he was able to, you know, spend some time with Russ. But I just don't see a ceiling ever being middle, middle of the pack.
1: The uh, their other tackle besides Cross, they're going to start Cross at left tackle.
0: Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's, that's I thought the big. I thought you were going with the big. I, yeah,
1: I thought I thought the big butt you were going for a tackle joke there, but no. But that is a big butt. And Jake Kerhan is their right tackle. He's a second year guy out of California. Um, was he even drafted, or did they sign him as like a free agent? I think he might have been a, a free agent, uh, undrafted, for a UD. FA um yeah he, yeah he went
0: to Cal he's a. Uh,
1: was he actually drafted is my question or did they pick him up as a U UFDA
0: I'm not seeing him as being drafted
1: I think he was
0: a undrafted free agent
1: um okay he started
0: five games last year
1: I don't have a very good grade on him. no <laughs> uh with the rest of that line Gabe Jackson eh, fine. Austin Blythe, he's fine. Damian Lewis, eh, eh, none of those guys are moving the needle for me. They're all replacement level in the interior there, um, and I guess uh, that leaves you
0: with uh, a tough spot. And, uh, that leaves and brother, so
1: yeah, that leaves you in a tough spot. That's a tough one. Um, I think uh, the tackle position is what scares you the most, especially in a division with. Nick Bosa and Aaron Donald, and um, you
0: know, JJ J. Watt. Like,
1: okay, good luck, <laughs> good luck. Yeah, let, just, let's just, your yeah, let's just um, call it a
0: like the, the only ways that this team overperforms is the receivers are able to do things that get extra out of the quarterback, and I just don't think you have the offensive minds in place. No, I don't to to do that sort of thing so like i'm really and then super
1: super thin unit too yeah after metcalf and locket
0: oh boy oh they like yeah they they like they like depth all over so i mean let's let's pull up the schedule and show why i see four winnable games maybe yeah
1: i think this looks super 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 squarely four and 13. like almost if any any other outcome even three and 14 i'd be like oh, exactly four games yeah <laughs> yeah oh. Oh, three and 14 they, they kind of underachieved oh five and five and 12 great season guys like this four and 13 is like that start and end your your handicap for the Seattle seahawks uh the four wins on their schedule in no particular order are atlanta week three the giants week eight the Panthers week 14, and the Jets week 17. And the reason that those four are the, your likely wins, number one, they are all at home. Number two, they are bad travel spots for your opponent. Uh, and number three, if not, then then there are no other opportunities really. Maybe at Detroit, you could talk yourself into that, but I don't love that spot for them travel-wise. Um, no. a, lot of, a lot of games where you are meaningful dogs on this schedule and you are going to get your clocks cleaned. Uh, starting with week one, yeah, they, have, they um, have, have a game where they're not one.
0: yeah, there's a game where they're not a true, uh, it's not a true road game, but it's against one of the best teams in the NFC in Tampa it's Bay. Tampa. Uh, yeah. so I mean, even even that where it's like, oh man, they don't actually have to play, you know, they only play seven true road games, <laughs> which you would say, maybe it's an easy schedule, yeah, you no. get to
1: go to Munich, but it's not even during Oktoberfest.
0: Yeah, that's fair. But uh, yeah, Denver, San Francisco, Detroit, probably better than them, even if they're just a little better than the market says. So New Orleans is a tough travel spot. Arizona, even if I'm going to be down on that team, I'm not as down on them as I am the Seahawks, the Chargers, the Arizona Cardinals on the road in Tampa Bay. That is a nasty four-game stretch where I worry about actually winning that Giants game. Game, you do have a bit of a travel advantage with the uh the giants having to come west, but man, you have a rough stretch four out of five for the bye. Mm. And then, uh, you know, Vegas, Rams, Carolina's Damn. another easy one, and then Niners, KC, and the Rams in your last four. If you wanted to tank, oh, there you all go. you have to do is like find a way for the Geno, Geno Smith revenge game to not go right.
1: Against the Jets, yeah. 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 Whew. Schedule is tough, and this team sucks. Pete Carroll? Probably, uh, is he going to face some scrutiny? Is he going to be on the hot seat at long? Yeah, it last? just
0: doesn't feel like they would do an in-seat. It feels like a Pete Carroll leaves the program. What is the... the, the-
1: with the way schneider has drafted and the way carol has developed what is the advantage to keeping those guys around at the end of this year if you are 3 and 14 and you're ready to start a rebuild what Continuity? is the
0: advantage no, there's none like the the ownership group apparently likes them but to be fair that's Who a is the who is the owner there now it yeah, was a jo- Jody I believe is her name
1: Jody, is this it's, it's, uh, it's Paul like, allen's kid wife
0: yeah it's it's like in a trust I think it's one of the one of the children so I don't I don't have a good grip on what the ownership group feels right now so that's where I'm wondering if it just turns into a well we're gonna just keep running this back and if the rebuild involves these guys I have no idea but I mean looking at these odds there's it's similar to some of the other ones like well we can't bet on anything here like
1: 151. Yeah, No, no, I
0: mean, give me me an extra zero maybe, but same same with all those, even the NFC West, there has to be so many things to go wrong. Yeah. That should be, that should be
1: in the 30 to one range.
0: Yeah. to, To make the playoffs it's a weak NFC, but again, So many things that have to go Mm -hmm. wrong in Minnesota and Detroit and San Francisco and Philadelphia and Dallas and, you know, the New Orleans. Like, uh, you know, like five out of those seven teams would need to greatly underperform and you'd still need to try to win 10 games in that schedule. I don't see it. So your regular season win total is five and a half plus money to the under. Don't hate it. Again, it's not a huge edge because you can't have huge edges when you don't have a lot of uh, runway. There's only you know, there's only 17 games, and essentially you should look at the over/under differently. You're betting over uh, what is it, 12, 12 and a half, or 11 and a half? Boy, the math has escaped me on a Tuesday because <laughs> over. Oh, 11 and a half losses. Like, you know, once you start winning games, you're running out of spots to lose that many games. Like, you got to get to 12 losses. 12 losses. Like, we looked looked at that schedule. It doesn't look that tough, but again, Mm. a, a slip here with Detroit and, you know, a couple bad things happen to some other well teams the nfl artists, the nfl arizona gift, takes a big step back
1: we didn't really say it's out loud but i was thinking it when we were looking at the seattle schedule the nfl gift wrapped gift wrapped you four home win chances mm-hmm. best chance you know really good chances to win four home games if you take care of business there and then you have a couple other fluky wins then six and eleven entirely possible Um, but I think realistically I am still squarely in the four win camp here. Um, probably not going to get a good enough price on under four and a half wins on the alt market to get involved. This is an easy, easy team to skip altogether. Um, from a preseason betting and an easy team to skip in the in-season betting. Cause I don't want to watch any of these games. <laughs> I don't want to watch the Seahawks. I don't want to see Pete Carroll chomping his gum on the sidelines, trying to figure out how to get no, Rashad um, Penny some more touches, get him going. Like no way. Team,
0: teams with good adjustments in the second half versus this team might have lopsided okay. second halves. If the game is close because of the better team underperforming and the Seahawks being in it, by accident, and you could be laying minus six in the second half and not feeling too bad about it. But other than that, I don't see a lot of spots I'm excited about to bet on against or
1: with four. We're going to have to make some handicap for the first week Monday Night Football. They're playing Denver. So that's one where we're probably going to have to ask ourselves, are we laying the price with Denver for the second half if they're up touchdown? Thinking that is, can Denver run out this clock and get pass rush going up against Geno? I think the answer is yes, probably, right? Yeah. Denver's a decent second-half spot against Seattle in Monday Night Football, if they have a lead at halftime.
0: Well, Don't give away the halftime stream lead. I think so. But yeah, that's that's Um, not a bad look.
1: Their other primetime game comes late in the season against the Niners. They are a Thursday night football special in uh, the middle of December, plus three. For that game, presumably we are excited to see Trey Lance perform. Maybe I don't want to watch that. Maybe there's something going there. I don't either. (laughs) Um, All right. Well, betting plan of attack is pretty straightforward. This team has clear weaknesses at the pass protection standpoint, and from the quarterback play, if they are at a deficit in game, so they are going to have a tough time coming back from deficits offensively to make matters worse the defense is in shambles uh the secondary is not good enough to keep them in games for the duration there will eventually get exposed um they don't have enough playmakers at any level to really be disruptive in the you know in terms of pass rush or um you know even run stop is gonna be a little bit actually their run stop is probably gonna be fine. I won't say their run I don't I don't know that their run defense is super problematic the way that they're rostered. They have some decent uh, big bodies in the middle of that D line. Puna Ford and
0: uh who's the other guy? Um that's next to yeah, I I would uh, I would run just a like a zone edge scheme. Just like out why would I run up the middle and the rest of this defense bad? Yeah, right. get contain on me with your your horseshit players. Have fun. So you